all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey, welcome uh, to Yolitics here. Wheeler is here. Number one, you're finally with us for an episode. I'm glad you could come back and join us. Well, the problem is, is I haven't been on vacation or anything like that. It's that I'm always, uh, you know, basically <laughs> down in the dungeon at work doing all of the work that you're not having to do because you're out doing podcasts yeah. and having beers. You're, you're shoveling it while I'm out here. Enjoying always, yeah. always. Well, welcome back to you. Welcome back. It's as good well. to be back. We, we appreciate you downloading this episode or... Uh, watching us on YouTube, wherever you're finding us. Thanks so much for and, uh, listening. And this time we're at Petticolis uh, Brewery, and this is just in the shadows of downtown Dallas. In the design district here. In the design in district, yes. I'm, I'm a longtime fan of Petticolis beers. Their first one, their biggest beer, is called Velvet Hammer. You may have heard of that. It's been around for, what, 13, 14 years now. The more interesting one, though, is the one you were telling me about the Ghost one. It's the. This is a, a small batch they brew. It's called the Ghost of Alfred Brown. It's an English brown ale. It's a cask ale, but they dropped a jalapeno in there, dropped a pepper in there, and it has, it'll warm you up on the, uh, on the back end. And they experimented with, on the yeah. back end. Uh, <laughs> they experimented with uh, two peppers and three peppers, and they decided to go back to one pepper. They said the two pepper was too, too much to drink, and the three pepper you could probably run an automobile off of. Um, <laughs> that sounds but, terrible. <laughs> One pepper was just enough. It was just right. So what are you drinking today? Uh, I am having... Uh, you, you stole my idea. Well, actually. you you stole my menu, so I've got to look at it. It's called Skate of Mind. It's and you know good. why I picked that. No, go ahead. Skate of Mind. Oh. Think about it. He's... Uh, He's a roller skater, roller blader, roller, roller skater, blader, whatever you call it. He's like the last, don't spill my beer here. I haven't done it in a while, but it, yeah. He's, he's the last one uh, alive since I the I see 1990s. him out all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, listen, we, we're, we're glad you uh, joined us for this episode. We're, we're starting off, uh, this episode is like kind of kicking off what we've been talking about for a while. Mm-hmm. We wanted to, to sit down and have a beer with the U.S. Senate candidates. And our very first one for this series is with Roland Gutierrez, state senator from San Antonio, Democrat. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Good to see you, Jason. Good to see you both. What, what are you drinking, by the way? What, what did you? Order? You know, we we chose a golden opportunity. I mean, I think that that's uh, that's what we're talking about in this Senate race. We've got to have make sure that we have the gold golden opportunity for all Texans. Are you on the payroll here? Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> huh? Oh, so and and this is not a Bud Light that you're having. And just in case anyone on social media is curious, you are actually drinking this. I am drinking it. Uh, that's an inside you know, joke yeah, that I'm that's making right. there. You know, I did a, a little tweet not too long ago, um, poking fun at Ted Cruz and his Bud Light objections, <laughs> and I opened a beer, and I took a swig of it. Oh, but, a Bud Light, A right? Bud Light. Yeah. And um, everybody on Twitter said, oh, he didn't drink it, and so on. So here, here you go. We're drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, we can actually <laughs> see the glass line moving down. And Jason, you have two of them. I, I do have two. This is a one I'm surprised you didn't pick. This is a, a taster of... Uh, a beer called Sherbet. It's Dreamsicle. Like a, Dreamsicle. Yeah, remember the, what were those orange push-ups? Yeah, I remember that with, with the little cream thing in the middle of it. That sounds great. Does it taste like a Dreamsicle? It's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. My, my beer palate is not refined enough to really know. Not surprising. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so uh, we have snagged uh, Senator Gutierrez here in Dallas. Uh, we, you know, you all are still in session in another special session. Yeah. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Uh, but you know, we, we've been able to snag you here in Dallas. You're in town for a fundraiser. Uh, you know, we know that money and politics go hand in hand. So let's just dive right in and talk about that part of it because you're running for Senate against Ted Cruz. Uh, you got to get through this primary uh, sure. with uh, you know several people already in there, including. Uh, Colin Allred, the representative, the U.S. representative from uh, here in Dallas. Uh, let's talk about the money. I uh, saw the most recent period. Uh, the campaign finance said that you had brought in $630,000 July through September. Allred pulling in $4.7 million in that same time. Uh, Cruz pulling in $3.1 million in that same time period. Not winning the money battle. Yeah, no. I mean, we're certainly not winning the money ba- battle. I've it's pretty clear that Washington Democrats have kind of put their thumb on this case. Uh, what do you at, mean by that? You mean well, giving the end, money to Allred? At the, at the end of the day, you know, these elections are so different, right, from statewide elections. And we're certainly the outsider and the underdog in this piece. Um, we have, a, a, they, you do a lot of digital fundraising in this space, a lot of 5 and $10 donations. You know, we have a million names, they have 10 million names. And so the challenge is trying to keep up. You know, we're all getting the same 5%. The big fundraiser has never been Colin Allred or myself even, or for that matter, even Beto O'Rourke. The big fundraiser in this race is none other than Ted Cruz. He has hated so much a doorknob could go raise the money. <laughs> and so we're out there pounding the streets every day. We're working hard. Um, it's clear that we have more work to do, but you know we've seen where people have raised millions of dollars before and come up short. Um, our campaign looks like a real campaign. We travel this state every day. If I'm not in that session, you'll know that in this last quarter I had 70 days to raise money because I was a you know we started a little late in June in July rather, and so we had two special sessions, uh, an impeachment trial that I had to sit there every day. And we're not making excuses. I'm just saying that we're putting in the work that we have to do to maintain our obligation to the Texas Senate and to the people of Texas and pushing back against some crazy legislation. And here now we start yet another special session that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't have to be there today, of course. And so we're going to continue to talk to people about what matters most. And you're in town raising money. You're you're going to be at a fundraiser today, so we're going to get some time. You know, our full expectation was that we were going to get outraised. We're going to get through this primary, and things will level off. I assure you that. We'll raise a whole bunch of money after this primary. We will win. Getting through the primary is, is the challenge. Yeah. $630,000 for the, you know, since you've been in the race. That, that, that's a tough hill to climb here. You have, what, five and a half months before Super Tuesday, before you face Colin Allred? How do you compete against that? How do you get the money to, to, to get on social media, to get on TV, to get on the radio, to print signs? Because if I'm already, I have 4.7 million or whatever he has on hand, more than that. Yeah, 7.9 million on hand, I believe. That's right. He has the ability to do that. You don't. Uh, Listen, we raise money every day. We're putting our message out every day. Uh, You know, I full well expect that, you know, they'll swamp us in the mailbox. At the end of the day, you know, I I don't want to play punditry and I don't want to play demographics on TV. But the fact is, I mean, we do have a primary electorate and Hispanics have performed well. But beyond that, I think that our message is vastly different from Collins. He's a nice person. But he has this message of, you know, 
we're going to incrementally change things. We're going to work with these folks. I know he uses the word bipartisanship a lot. It's a nice word if it were real. But our state and our country is on fire right now. I mean, we are really, really hurting. We've got people that Colin wants to be bipartisan, you know, serve in a bipartisanship manner with them. They can't even pick a speaker right now. Mm. We don't need to hold hands with these people. We need to beat these folks. Look at what's happened here just in Austin. We've got a bunch of people that are pushing a voucher bill that makes no sense for Texas. And Ted Cruz is out there put, making threats against people in, the, in his own party that are going to work against that voucher system. Our message isn't about money. We're going to raise the necessary money to move about throughout the state and talk to people in a real way. Is that part of the reason why you jumped into this? Did you feel like uh, Representative Allred was too middle of the road that you that we, we maybe needed to hear a more progressive uh, candidate? I mean, Beto O'Rourke got really close to Ted Cruz in the 2018 Senate race, and uh, you know he wasn't trying to look middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, and there's two schools of thought here, and. Um, I just looked at the numbers and didn't think that Colin could win, first off. What, what numbers Why did you not? look at? The internal uh, numbers or what? You look at the internal number, the demography in this state, and, you know, it's, it's just I just don't see that it's possible that Colin can win this race. In the head and cer head and certainly, not, certainly not in that message. We just did a poll, and that poll came out once we, with Colin and I both behind five points. When you add his best bio and my best bio, I'm ahead of Cruz by one point, and he's behind Cruz by one point. And this is an internal poll. Yeah. yeah. We're glad to show it to you guys. Mm. And so we're moving forward. We, you know, this notion that we're going, that you need somebody that is uh, just the status quo. We are beyond a point in our policy and politics in this, in this state where status quo is going to get us anywhere. Incremental change. Well, what incremental change can Colin or anybody else show us that has gotten us anywhere? We are broken in this state on guns, on reproductive rights, on health care, on education. We will not come to some accord with these people because every time we've tried, we've failed. Um, O'Rourke came extremely close, extremely close. Are we the same? No. We're, we're, we're both very progressive. We say sometimes different things. You know, I'm not here to take anybody, anybody's guns away. And I think for Beto, that was a moment of passion. He had just lost people in his community when that happened in Uvalde. Which you represent. Which I represent. I saw all of the same pain he saw. And I've lived it. And I stayed there and fought back against police that just would not hold themselves accountable. A governor who wouldn't hold themselves accountable. And still haven't. And still hasn't. Gives the head of DPS a raise of $45,000, if you can imagine that. And so... You, you've pushed for more gun measures, but you haven't said yeah. that we're going to take someone's guns Listen, away. Listen, I own a bunch of guns. I don't need an AR-15. I don't think anybody does. And for anybody that thinks they do, I mean, I, I, I've seen all of these kids, and I saw them dead. I've seen them... You've seen, seen the videos? One, hundreds of hours. I've seen those children lying on the ground in pools of blood. I've seen those teachers in two piles, just like we teach these kids to huddle together. Two teachers trying to save their children and shield them. One dead, one barely alive. She died in an ambulance because that ambulance couldn't get out of that parking lot because every our car, every street had been blocked by, our, by car, cop cars. Mm. Where we are in Texas on guns, 
we're completely broken. Where we are in emergency management in rural Texas, we're completely broken. Where we are in healthcare and mental health care in Texas, we're dead last in the nation. Where we are on tier one counselors, the average state has one tier one counselor for 200 kids. In Texas, it's one tier one counselor for 650 kids. What is a tier one counselor, though? Well, it's a school counselor. School counselor. So you'll never find the kid that all of the kids called school shooter. Imagine that. Even though we uh, we hear a lot about mental health after these shootings. Absolutely. I mean, if Republicans are so fond of this notion that it's all about mental health, well, then go fund that properly. They haven't. They haven't done anything that is responsible by way of taking care of people in our communities on mental health care. But didn't they just say, I mean, the, the legislature just added a lot of money to build new mental health hospitals across the state. What, a handful of them? Last two sessions, actually back to Strauss, we have rebuilt some of our hospitals, including the main one in San Antonio. Uh, Rusk, I think, is probably close here. Vernon, Texas is not too far. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've rebuilt them, but we're woefully lacking in bed space Still in last. our state. We're still last. And, and the thing is, we're not some poor state. We're the second highest revenue state in the nation. I think people in rural Texas need to open up their eyes and look around and see how life has been for them for the last 30 years. The last 30 years that Republicans have been in control. And what they'll find is that not a whole lot has changed. And these folks have been in control of this state. Look, Ted Cruz didn't break this all. But he embodies everything that's wrong. And we must get rid of this man because we have to create change in this state. You, you mentioned a moment ago, you've laid out a lot here. I want to talk about all of it with Jason, too. But you mentioned a moment ago about South Texas, where you're from, and the Rio Grande Valley, and how Allred's, Colin Allred's probably a little more popular up here in North Texas and down there in South Texas, where a lot of Democrats are. You're spending a lot of time down there. I'm curious about your strategy down there, how hard it's going to be, you think, to, to lock that vote up. And secondly, Senator, rural Texas, Democrats have just given up, waved the white flag on rural Texas. What's your plan for South Texas? What's your plan for rural Texas? Well, I mean, there's no math or science to this. We just go everywhere. Now, I don't go to, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to march throughout Texas, and that's a hard thing to do. We were in the middle of Odessa last week. How'd that go? Uh, you know, good crowds. It's 80%, 75% uh, Hispanic, believe it or not. Hmm. Yet they vote 60-40 Republican. They're not voting. Same problem with Uvalde, Texas, which is just kind of an odd anomaly because everything is blue around it. Um, Uvalde is a town that never broke. Um, they just never busted economically. And so uh, they, not a whole lot has changed in the last 60 years. We'll come up to Dallas pretty regularly because we feel we can make inroads, inroads here. We'll go to Houston pretty regularly. We'll be in San Antonio and Austin. We'll cover a lot of West Texas territory, and we will spend a lot of time in what you're calling the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, I was going to ask you about those big cities because we hear over and over again, uh, including from Democrats, that uh, this isn't a red state necessarily. It's a non-voting state, and these population centers where Democrats tend to do very well, yeah, they do very well there, but a lot of votes are left on the table because people just don't show up to vote. How do you, how do you change that? We just keep pounding at the rock. Look, let's be real clear. And for Republicans that are listening, your party has dumbed down education in Texas down to nothing. Hell, we don't even have civics class anymore in high schools. That's the truth. Oh, I don't, yeah. 
Uh, and that's where we are in this space where we're 43rd in spending and 43rd in performance. You want to really inject some money into our economy and put Texas on steroids? Go fix that problem. Go spend more money on education. Go create a charter school, I mean, a, a voucher program like they want to do. Last week, Brandon Creighton and I were in a debate. He's and a state he, senator. A state, so, state yeah. senator. And he, uh, he starts telling us that, you know, there's fentanyl in our schools. And I said, well, there's school shootings, too. And he says, yes, there's school shootings, too. And our public schools are horrible. Well, you've been in charge for the last 30 years. You have been in charge of this state for 30 years. All of that happened on your watch. And if you go through every problem that people face in Texas, whether it's education, transportation, infrastructure on the grid, you know, hell, mass shootings, health care, they've been in charge of is, this state. Is that resonating with the independent Texans, though? I mean, as you know, the independents in Texas lean a little more conservative. Yeah. Is any of that registering when you go to Midland, Odessa, when you go to South Texas, when you go to Dallas, Houston? I was in, I was in Midland, uh, as I said last week, and those folks, I was mildly surprised because I was talking to some teachers, and many of which were Republicans. And they loved what I had to say on vouchers, and they didn't like what their, their senator had to say on vouchers because we share Region 18, he and I. Huh. And uh, when I, as I was leaving, they all came up to me, and they wanted to take their pictures and so on. And they said, you know what? You're the first Democrat that's come out here other than O'Rourke. Hmm. The fact is we need to invest time and talking to people in a real way and tell them the truth because the republican sound machine only tells us one thing and they tell us everything's a wreck and it's a wreck because of immigration and that's it that's all we hear from them well they need to tell the truth about that too I was going to ask you about immigration because you're an immigration lawyer uh, from South Texas. Uh, this seems like it's a, a good polling issue for Republicans uh, mm -hmm. in this state. Uh, people do bring up the border as a concern. Uh, their views on how to fix it may be very different, but they bring it up as a concern. What do you say to those voters out there who consider the border to be a big concern? What do you tell them as a Democratic uh, senator, senator, I, Senate I, candidate? I say one word starts with a B, ends with a T, and I, I don't think I can say it on, on television. Uh, or can I? <laughs> yeah, you can you say, say it on, on here. This yeah. I say it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah I say bullshit, yeah. and I'll tell you why. We've been lied to by these people over and over again on this issue. Look, look, we've been facing immigrants have been have built this nation. For 200 years, we've had one group or another come into this country. And for the last 50 years, our southern border has seen people mostly from Mexico and that Mexican immigrant, basically they're down to net zero now. And now we're seeing South Americans and Central Americans. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, and the United States Chamber of Commerce and every other Chamber of Commerce in this nation will agree with me. We need 30 million jobs to fill, vacancies in this state for jobs that Americans will not do. We don't need to, we don't need to build a, a border wall. That's just a complete waste of money. Last week, Colin came out for Trump's border wall and put out a press release, which is astounding to me. You know, Hispanics, we're pretty deaf. You know, you build a 20-foot wall, we're going to build a 21-foot ladder. We can do better than this. And what we absolutely need is a comprehensive immigration reform solution, which nobody in Congress wants to do. The Republicans want to carry their AR-15s and get on the gunboats and have the razor wire and show the nice images. We saw that today in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, they want to clutch their pearls and not say anything. Mm 
They want to hope it just goes away. Go fix the problem. You can create a country of origin program. We're about to unfold a comprehensive plan next week. Create a country of origin program where people apply for a job at the consulate in Nicaragua or El Salvador or wherever to process meat in Omaha, Nebraska or wherever. You match yourself to that job. You, uh, um, you get background check and in 90 days you're in here just like you do under the current H-2A or H-2B visa program. The problem is those two programs are bereft with ridiculous quotas, ridiculous bureaucracy, and ridiculous provisions that you have to go back every 10 months. That doesn't work for modern ag agriculture and it doesn't work for modern temp labor. We can afford, without even affecting one American's job, the ability to bring in more people each year, 1.7 million people amass on the border. We can take the good ones from their own home country and they'd have safe travel in with a visa into our country. We're going to do a lot more than that, and you'll see it next week. Well, a lot of these people, as you know, are coming from, from places that, that where the security situation is terrible. Yeah, Central America, Venezuela, places like that. I mean, they, they, they can't go to an embassy and apply for a... Uh, it's just one, Venezuela. Okay. You can't go to that one. You're going to have to find an embassy at a neighboring, at a neighboring country. The fact is, most of them aren't asylum seekers. They're job seekers. They're job seekers. And if you come to our border and you have a criminal history, you're not coming in. And if you come into the United States on one of these visas I'm talking about and you commit a crime, you're going out. We gave you a chance. Um, if you had to choose an issue that you think is going to be the pivotal issue, though, going into next year, what is it? Is it, is it immigration? Is it abortion? Is it, what is it? Look, we have to solve immigration. We have to stop having people lob these bombs at each other, and we have to solve it. And there is a way to solve it, and it's called Congress has to do it. Um, and Americans, while those guys are not doing their jobs, Americans need to open their eyes and say, here's a solution that makes sense. But that said, I think it's guns. Guns. I think it really is guns. And people say, well, Roland, you're just this, you know, all you talk about is guns. Let me tell you something. You guys were there. If you lose a child, and I've met all those parents. From Vivaldi. Yeah. And many of them are my friends. If you lose your child, all your when your child is born, all your hope, everything is in that sure. kid. You know, you're, when you're a young man, you're just full of ambition and you want to go off and take over the world and so on. And then you have a kid and all of your hope and your ambition changes and it's just, how am I going to make this little baby's life better? Mm -hmm. And then nine years pass and your child is just taken away in a moment in the most horrible way you could imagine. Do you really think that inflation or high cost of gas or even immigration matters to you from that point forward in your life? Mm -hmm. I submit to you that it doesn't. And we're living in a state and we're living in a country that is unique to this problem. The leading countries of the world do not have this problem because we have allowed anybody and everybody to have a gun. And in this state, you can walk down this street outside with an AR-15 on your shoulder and a cop cannot even ask you a question as to why. So, hell yeah, that's a burning problem. A burning problem. Because we don't go to the mall the same, we don't go to church the same, we live with more anxiety. Hell, the state fair last week 
two people shot. How in the world can we be okay with criminals having guns? How can we be okay with mentally ill people having access to guns, with 18-year-old boys having access to AR-15s? We can do common sense gun safety solutions, raising age limits, extreme risk protective orders, close the universal background checks to where we know who's got what and we're done. But you tried that. This state just witnessed what happened in Uvalde. 19 murdered fourth graders, two dead teachers. It was not somewhere else. That was in Texas. And you stood up in front of the Senate and implored them to do something. They didn't do anything. And I will implore people in the United States Senate to do something. But isn't it a non-starter? No, I will never stop talking about it. And uh, I'll never stop talking about this. I, will ne I don't care if it's a non-starter. Moms all over this country need to get themselves activated on this issue. Moms and dads. I promise you this. There is nothing more detrimental there's nothing more whoring, more full of horror. The only thing that these families have to get used to is a duller sense of pain. I'll never, ever stop talking about this, and I'll never stop fighting for change in this space because it must stop. And yes, we must have an assault weapons ban on this gun. Fires three times the speed. AR-15. Yes, three times. It's the original M16 for Vietnam. Sure. Fires three times the speed of a nine millimeter. When this kid put full metal jacket bullets, it turned, they turn on themselves upon impact and they destroy your flesh, your blood vessels, your bones, everything. And those little kids, there was nothing left of them. I saw two little girls without a face. You can't imagine. I, I wasn't well for a long time. I'm a lot better now. What do you mean that when you say you weren't well? I mean, listen, we sued the government to get this information. We lost the lawsuit, and then they said, you can have it. We just got to sign this non-disclosure agreement. I got a You sued the Texas Department of Public Safety because the state would not release this. That's right, and I finally got it, and it's a disk drive the size of my phone, two terabytes, hundreds of hours of body cam footage. When they went in to shoot this guy, the first thing that happened, as soon as they busted in, they shot him. You hear off camera, grown men crying, and you hear grown men throwing up at the horror of what their failure had done. Yeah, this is the most important thing in America. That changed you to see all of that. That's why I decided to do this. And Ted Cruz went down there, prayed with those people, didn't do a damn thing. Then he used him for a photo op. He doesn't care. Well, you have to care about people. We have to care about children in this country. We shouldn't allow children to be gunned down like this. If someone else uh, has an AR-15 or uh, other guns, uh, you know, with what all you've said, they may still say, oh, this is another liberal looking to take my guns away. What do you say to that person? I own a bunch of guns. I get it. And I don't want to take anybody's guns away. And I don't think we can. It's, it, we can. But we can stop selling them. And by the way, we... The AR-15s. Yeah, we can stop selling that one. We build four million of those a year. About half of them end up in Mexico in the hands of cartels. Mm. Just imagine that. We are building their illegal 
cartel army down there at the pace of two million guns a year. How do you like that? Hmm. So, obviously, guns are, are one thing, but if you're elected to the United States Senate, there's a lot of other stuff going on around the world that you would, you would be yeah. kind of uh, overseeing. So let's go through a little lightning round here, too. I want to ask about a number of issues. I want to start with Ukraine. Where do you stand with Ukraine? We got to keep fighting for democracy. What does that mean? More, 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 more weapons. funds, more weapons, more relief to Ukraine because Putin is a danger to Europe and a danger to this country. And so Xi Jinping. And, and uh, um, you mentioned the southern border. I'll, I'll skip that since we just talked about that. Israel, Hamas. Support Israel. But more importantly, we support peace at all costs. How about the, the innocent civilians in Gaza? Because that, that's been a big deal. The, the, the world media has shifted over there, especially after the hospital was bombed recently. Listen, I mean, that's the second piece. I mean, you have to, you can't, horrible things happen every day. And this horrible thing that happened over there was uh, tremendous. And, you know, Israel's right to ask for justice. Uh, but at some point, you have to have some proportionality, right? You can't have 1,500 of your folks killed and then go out and kill 150,000. And so I don't, we're not there yet. We're not at that number. But at some point, what I principally said is I'm for peace in the Middle East. And we need to figure this out. And the United States needs to get in there. And this president needs to get in there in a real way and quash this once and for all. And whether that's a two-state solution or a three-state solution, we need to figure this out. And all of the entirety of those Arab states need to be part of this process. You've seen Israel you know, make inroads with Saudi Arabia, make inroads. Certainly they've been friends with Jordan in a long time. They're making inroads with Egypt. Yeah. You know, Iran, we've got to figure this out. How about Egypt? Uh, how about Egypt? How about, uh, because they share the border with Egypt, obviously, so they, they've, they've had a long-time relationship there. How about inflation? It's down. It's, it's still high, but people are still paying. It's going down, but it's still high enough where people are still seeing it at the, at the, grocery, at the grocery store when they go buy something. What, what, what else should, could so Congress when you, be doing? Well, when you talk about, you know, this campaign and what it's about, and it's about pain, right? It's P-A-I-N, not paying, <laughs> but pain, people's pain. And so whether your kid got shot or something, just everyday pain, Listen, I still go to the grocery store. I remember when eggs were $6 a dozen. I remember when the avocados went up because of crazy Greg Abbott and his stunts on the border. Um, I remember when limes went up. I talk to my neighbors every day at the grocery store when I go. Um, you know, people are hurting, and they're hurting in trying to make ends meet. We have to talk about health care. Health, the rising cost of health care is killing the middle class and keeping the middle class from from being able to do what your parents and my parents did, which was get out and do well for their kids. That's not the same anymore. We're stagnating, and every econ economist will tell you that. And we need to be able to support the middle class by controlling health care costs. Yes, there is some inflation, and yes, it's come down, but we absolutely must control health care costs. And yes, we must talk about Medicare for all that wanted. Medicare for everybody, Medicare for all that want it. If some people want their private health care plan, have at it. But each and every one of us should be able to access the health care plan that our congressmen have, congressmen and women have. 
It's a damn good health care plan. And how do you feel about changing the rules about the filibuster in the Senate? Because a lot of things don't get done because you got to hit that 60 vote threshold to move forward. What are your feelings about that? Listen, we must. We are being held hostage by one man, and he's a Democrat. His name is Joe Manchin. That's why this seat is so important. That's why we must win this seat. Because Joe Manchin is holding us up from the things that most Americans agree with. Look at this. On gun safety, on raising age limits, extreme risk protective orders, and universal background checks, Republicans in this state were 65% in favor of. Across the nation, you'll find very similar numbers. Reproductive rights and election rights. Uh, those are the things that most Americans agree with. And we've got one guy holding us up. Yeah, get rid of the filibuster. Joe Manchin, of course, is the, the, the I, I put Democrats in air quote, put a Democrat in air quote here from West Virginia, who uh, is, is arguably the most powerful person in Washington, D.C., because he's in a divided Senate. He's the one who decides what yeah. lives and what dies. But let me ask you what, you know, Jason mentioned you're an immigration attorney, you're a real estate developer, you're a state senator, you're a dad. What do Texans not know about Roland Gutierrez? Well, listen, um, I'm the son of immigrants. I've worked hard all my life. I, uh, Where are they from? My father was from a little town called Canada del Suazo, just north of Monterrey. My mother was from Freer, Texas, mm. and she passed on when I was about nine months old. Wow. And my father was widowed with four boys, and my, I had an aunt that had done well for, her, for herself in marriage down in, in Mexico. And she had uh, this young woman that was working for her. She had been abandoned with two kids of her own. My father, she came to take care of us. And, um, you know, we became, she, we eventually adopted her kids. He was able to bring my, my stepbrother and my stepsister up. And that was a process. Uh, and uh, so we became the Mexican Brady Bunch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my parents taught me, look, this, this state is wonderful. And this state has been and can be wonderful again but we've had people dividing us and we grew up in a time in the 70s and 80s when you know hispanics black white czech german and san antonio so many different cultures we all just got along and i get that there's racism and prejudice in this state and throughout this country for hundreds of years but texas is unique and it's different sadly over the course of the last 20 25 years we've had people pitting us against each other and that must stop. We have to understand that we're all in this together. And so my, my, my growing up in that culture, I, I guess not a lot of people know that because they, they say, hey, you sound like a redneck. But somehow I, I only spoke Spanish as a child. When did you learn English? I think it was watching a lot of Clint Eastwood movies and a lot of John Wayne movies. Huh. Uh, you know, just along the way. Huh. Any advice your dad gave you? Work hard. Uh, he came from Mexico in 1950. He was 17 years old, and he worked so hard. And he not only was able to get out of that hard labor that he did, but he went on to work for a company called American National, and he rose in the company selling insurance. And he told me, you've got to educate yourself. He had a third-grade education. He said, no one, you can take, they're going to take, they can take away everything from you in life, but they won't take away your education. And he was right. So now you're working hard uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, it is a more than full-time job. Uh, what, is, what do you foresee here? Do you think that this Democratic primary 
is going to be messy? Will it be ugly? Will Democrats be able to unite uh, around whoever is chosen? Colin called me early on to kind of ask me for my support, and I said, well, you've read my name in the paper, too. I'm stuck. i got to wait until this moratorium is over before I announce. I said, but here's what my expectation is, Colin. I expect that you and I are going to run a clean campaign, devoid of personal attacks. We're going to focus on the things that matter most to Texans. You're free to attack me on the record on the things that I've said and I've done, and I'm going to attack you on the things that you've said and you've done just like this wall thing that he's talked about. We'll continue to talk about that. And did he agree? He agreed. Have you all talked since? We, I, I saw him at an event. And the last thing I told him is we're not going to have the same situation like we did before when one person didn't endorse the other. If he beats me, I'll endorse him. And I expect the same from him. What did he say? When you he said yes. Hmm. So... Well, I think that that's fair play. I think that we need to clean up the nonsense of politics. And we need to have a discussion on the issues. And we need to figure out where we're different. And I think that I think we are different on some things. I think, yes, I am more progressive on a lot of issues. And I will talk about Medicare for all. I will talk about expanding the, the Supreme Court. There's no magic to it. That happened in 1869, by the way. It was only because there was nine circuits. There's 13 circuits now. We need a court that looks like America, one that's not bought and paid for. You got a guy here in Dallas, Harlan Crow, that bought a Supreme Court justice. How do you like that? Um, so let's say you get past Colin Allred in, in the primary, and then it's Cruz after that. Uh, are you prepared for that fight? Because I, I think most people would imagine that that one's going to be an ugly one. But, you know, he's been listed by several sites as one of the most vulnerable incumbents in this upcoming election. I mean, look, he's vulnerable. Uh, I, I love to tease him. He, he pushes back. We push back on each other so far so good, and it's fun. I think he likes to pick on Colin a little bit, too. I've seen some of his tweets on that. Um, I expect that they will have a different kind of camp, that Ted Cruz will have a different kind of opponent than he's ever had before. Someone who's not afraid of a fight, someone that's going to push back on all of the bullshit that he's peddled, someone that's going to call him on his stuff. The Wasn't first, Beto O'Rourke that candidate or no? Where did he go wrong? Listen, I think that Beto was fantastic. And um, he got us to where we are now. He was shy by 250,000, 260,000 votes. Imagine that. We're going to give another one. And I think that that's the difference between Colin and I. I don't know that, you know, I'll let him speak for himself. I mean, honestly, I, you know, we're going to, I will hold nothing back, including, including something that I think is important for every man, not just Hispanic men. But listen, if any man calls my wife ugly and calls my father an assassin, well, they're going to get their ass kicked. They're not going to get my endorsement. And you're talking about Ted Cruz with relation to, to Trump. Donald yeah, Trump. That's right. And so, listen, I mean, that may not be the burning issue in politics today, but it tells you something about a man's character that says, I'm going to back you up. I'm here to defend you against all things that matter, right? Because that's what he says. I'm here to, to support all Texans. Well, shit. I'm sorry. I said it. You can't even. Oh, we, we've already gone beyond that, so don't worry about yeah, it. Go yeah, ahead. You're, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> That's all right. Continue. Continue. He, shit, he couldn't even support his wife. 
couldn't support his dad. And when times got tough, the dude took off to Cancun. During the winter storm of 2021. Have, have you talked to Ted Cruz? No, we just exchanged tweets. I'm telling you, it's fabulous. Hmm. We, uh, He's he, on Twitter a lot. He got on Twitter, and he says, or when the, X, I guess when the San it. Jacinto shooting happened, he says, now there you go again. Those immigrants are out there shooting us up, and it's their fault. I get. I do a video the very next morning. I said, "No, brother, this one's on you. You and your party and your loose gun laws are giving AR-15s to anybody, including this undocumented immigrant. You did that. Those deaths are on you." And then he fired back later on TV that day, and he said, "Well, I don't know that fellow. We don't say fellow in Texas. We say fella." Here, this Canadian guy is going to get his ass kicked by me. I promise you. I promise you. He's going to know what being a Texan is. I was born and raised here, and we're going to kick his ass. Uh, last thing I have for you is, you know, you, you're pretty handy, I guess, in a bobcat uh, at a construction site, flipping houses, building houses. Uh, now's a good time to be doing that. You could be making a lot of money. Uh, what makes you do this? You could be out there just bankrolling. Man, I, I've made money in my life, and... I've had as many as 26 employees in my law firm. I used to own a restaurant. My wife and I opened an Italian restaurant, obviously to honor our Italian heritage. We're not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> How long did that last? Uh, almost. We almost made the cut. Almost to three years. It was a fun party every night, but boy, we got rolled. The restaurant business oh, is hard. It was hard, man. I, that was. Uh, we we lost our we, you know what i mean we lost it all it makes there. you understand the struggles of a small business owner though well you know it started with me finding an old building like this and fixing it up and the building and the architecture is beautiful and i loved it and the party was great and the food was fantastic and we lasted as long as we could but you know it'll eat you up if you're not there and so look we do a lot but you know it's this is not about ambition for me this race this is uh you know i think ambition you know, when I was 40, I was more ambitious. For this is for me. This is just—it's everything that I saw there in that community, in Uvalde. Yeah, I mean, listen—you've never seen anything like it. I promise you, you've never seen anything like it. And you guys have seen me break up. I don't break up too much anymore. I remember sitting in the lieutenant governor's office and telling him, "Look, man, we've got to do something." And we sat there for an hour. And I had a moment, I told him, I said, look, Dan, there was this thing, there was this moment when they grab a kid and they're dragging this kid by the leg. That's how they, there was no, the trauma treatment was weird. They dragged this kid out by its leg. The first responders. By the little girl's leg. And they're dragging the little girl. And my, my, my attorney that's watching the stuff, he says, you need to prepare yourself because you're about to see a kid with no face. And they slide her some more, and she's gone. You've never seen anything like this in your life. Literally a room full of blood. Um, I'm running because of that. I'm running because we must change this, because no parent should have to do what these parents have had to do. And I won't stop. And, it, you know, people might tell me, look, you're, you're crazy or whatever, or you're a one-man show. We're broken in this country. We're, we're not irreparably broken. We can fix this. We can fix this on everything that matters most, on guns, on healthcare, on education. We can do incredible things in our country. 
We just stopped doing that for about the last 30 years because somewhere, somewhere down the line, someone said that government is bad. And government is good. I'll tell you what one great Republican said. His name was Abraham Lincoln. He said that the legitimate object of government is to do for the people that which they cannot do for themselves. Like health care and education and transportation and infrastructure. We, people can't go heal themselves. And by God, we should have, we should safeguard our children. And because we made decisions somewhere along the way, and those decisions allowed everybody and anybody to access this kind of gun, we're living in this state of horror that we are in this country, that since Uvalde, we've seen two other mass shootings in the state, in Allen, just down the road from you, and in San Jacinto. And in between that time, we've seen hundreds of shootings and murders along the way of innocent people dying. And it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be this hard to live in the United States, and it shouldn't be this hard to live in Texas. And it is hard for people, and politicians need to recognize that. You still tear up when you talk about this stuff. Did you ever seek any counseling or anything after watching all that video? I went to my therapist a couple times, and then... Uh, Did it help? Yeah, I mean, look, you talk about it, you figure out how you manage it all, and it was pretty bad for a good long while. Uh, the problem is, so I saw that horror, and I saw all those kids, and I know who they are, and now I know their parents. And I see every day, I see a Facebook post of the kid, of a child, when they were alive. And I saw the rest of it. And uh, those parents are amazing. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you wake up every day. I, I don't think I could. I think I'd be on some kind of pharmaceutical with the curtains drawn in my room. And they were, by the way, for a long time. A lot of people would. Yeah. yeah. Well, last thing, uh, I'm just curious, back to politics just for a moment here, Senator. Uh, do you plan to debate Colin Allred? I hope so. I've asked. Have you asked him? We've asked his team. What have they said? We're asking him right now. Come <laughs> on, Colin, let's go debate. Yeah, um, this is the ask on Yolitics right here. All right. This is the ask. They have uh, said we'll see. I'm ready to debate Colin Allred. I'm ready to debate Ted Cruz. I'll debate anybody on anything that they want to talk about because there's not an issue or subject matter that I can't discuss and come up with a reasonable solution with. People have got to be tired of all of the BS that happens in Washington. I mean, it's really a lot. Here we have the so-called leading Democrat in this race, Colin Allred, come out for a border wall essentially accepting Ted Cruz's position. And Ted Cruz had a lot of fun with it, too, on Twitter, by the way. This happened a week ago, or right before Israel. Sure. And so, yeah, I'm ready for a debate. I'm absolutely ready for a debate, and I look forward to it. Look, I've done a lot of great things in this legislature over the years, and I've done it through amendment processes. I've pushed Republicans in corners that they didn't want to be in, like creating the Farmer Suicide Prevention Act, where, which happened in 21, and this time in 23, Sid Miller comes back and he says, because of Gutierrez's amendment, we saved 60 lives. Sid Miller said that. The Texas Agriculture Commissioner. Yeah. Saved, saved lives. 60 lives of farmers in Texas. And they tried to take the program away from them and give it back to give it to Health and Human Services. He said, yeah, that's great. You can do that. But you see this brochure here? And I said, yeah. Well, Health and Human Services isn't going to take this over to the rodeo, to the stock show, or to the Future Farmers of America stuff or anything. Under the ag fair, 
There's just not. It's the outreach that we created in that hotline. That program is now, I just talked to Dan Hunter in his office, is now being accepted by 31 states and the federal government is looking to make that happen, make that a reality. People don't know this. Farmers have the highest incidence of suicide in the nation per capita. Imagine that. And, and it's because for people who might be wondering why in the world, I mean, crop failure away. every year. Yeah. Every, every year is a crop struggle. Away. Every it's year is a struggle. They take out large loans in order to plant a crop and if the weather's bad. Then it was brought to me by a young lady who in 21, before Uvalde, whose father uh, killed himself when he lost the family farm. And the rest of that bill that they killed, because I put the medical side, the healthcare side in an amendment, the other part wasn't germane. The other part had a microloan program. Every upstate, or the other northern state that's done a microloan program for, par, uh, for farmers, microloan program, has been successful. Hmm. They've made money on it. Farmers pay their debts. Yeah. They just need a little help from time to time. Sure. So we can talk about what Colin's done and what I've done. And what I've done, like that program, like the National Center for Warrior Resiliency that takes veterans off of opioids, against, again, with Republican opposition, saved lives, saved our military bases, came up to Fort Worth and talked to Betsy Price. We had a hearing in Fort Worth because developers wanted to develop, have, eliminate laws to allow them to develop around our military bases. Look, those are civilian jobs along with military jobs. We couldn't have another BRAC closure. I did that in 2015. We're going to continue to fight and push back against nonsense. And I think that hopefully people in rural Texas and other parts of the state will understand that most of what I talk about isn't partisan. It's just fairness and justice and equality for people. Senator, we appreciate the time. Yeah, we should tie it off there. It's been enlightening, and I'm sure your staff is like, wrap it up. Yeah, because you've got a fundraiser. Wrap it up. To, yeah. wrap and it we up. know how important that is in these races. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You, uh, For the record, if you can or cannot see this, I will state that uh, – half of the golden opportunity beer has been consumed yes, he's actually drinking it and uh, another quarter just went down right there yeah. so. remarkably you've already consumed uh, your baby beer there that looks like it was ordered off a kid's menu <laughs> You're done. and uh, most of your adult one too well, and your I'm, questions weren't that long either i'm surprised <laughs> i'm still coherent but thank you so much <laughs> senator thank you so much for the time sir we appreciate it appreciate you thank you senator thank you. click subscribe and get yolitics every week eolitics the unofficial political podcast of texas